0: Hey, this is John. This is Sarah. (laughs) This is Completely Canyoneering. Welcome to episode one. We're going to spend a little bit of time explaining what the podcast is going to be all about what you can expect to hear from us, uh, and at that, who we are. So we're going to do a little bit of uh, introductions. Um, why don't you get us started with that, Sarah?
1: Yeah, sure. So canyoning for me is a really pretty new passion of mine. Um, it's not something I ever expected to be in my life. Uh, growing up on the East Coast, you know, I've heard of caving and things like that. So um, some similar things, had some friends get into it. But canyoneering, to me, has really fulfilled this childhood goal of mine of seeing as much of the world as I possibly could. Um, It was definitely not a way I thought I would see it. But I consider myself not necessarily a beginner canyoneer, but I think probably every trip that I've been on, I've learned something new, whether it be a minor detail to something you know bigger and more important you know clear up to rescue techniques and things like that so i'm really excited to sit here and talk about it with you
0: yeah and that's i mean a lot of what our focus is going to be on with this show is technical canyoneering so things that require gear and skill uh sarah you are fairly new to canyoneering but you do some some pretty serious canyoneering right like you've done quite a a bit of canyoning at this
1: point i feel like i've done some pretty crazy canyons um i think the i would say the gnarliest for lack of a better term was probably bear creek but you know we can get into talking about that later but what about you how's your what's your canyon experience how do you feel about it
0: that's a good question and you know to kind of give myself a little bit of an introduction um some of you out there may have already heard who I am or know who I am from a, a previous show that I did called The Climber's Exit. Uh, I also make a lot of canyoneering content on social media, um, whether it's tutorial videos on TikTok or it's you know funny reels on Instagram. Uh, a big goal of mine is to grow the canyoneering community. I really want to make it more accessible for everyone um you know that's going to be a really heavy theme in this show is accessibility and mm, giving a lot more people the opportunity to canyon, right
1: yeah i think that's great i also think that's a huge part of why you and i are sitting here talking about it is discussions you and i have had in the past about you know canyoneering accessibility and education and you know various other things so i think hopefully we find some listeners that uh also identify with those things right because i mean in, in reality there are some
0: very real barriers to the sport and there are some social barriers and, and my goal is to help people with the real barriers and also deal with the social ones for example um, you know canyoneering as a, as a sport or a hobby as i mentioned what we're discussing requires gear and skill it requires knowing how to use the gear It requires, you know, anchoring, skill, technique, things like that. So it's not something that anybody can just walk into or should walk into. Um, But that doesn't mean that you can't start somewhere, right? That doesn't mean you can't learn or that you can't become a canyoneer. Uh, And so one of those more social aspects is is actually going to be a topic that we're going to cover a little bit later. Um, so, we'll talk about that.
1: Yeah, you know, with the social things, like, in being from a climbing background, you know, I've talked to other climbers and actually found out a lot of them have canyoneered some aspect. It may not have been exactly technical, but it was definitely something they were interested in, so I'm, you know, really excited to have that info out there for them and things like that. But, that being said... What are we talking about today? <laughs> so
0: today we are going to cover canyoneering etiquette. Uh, we we actually got this topic as a um, suggestion from someone that uh, is new to canyoneering, <clears throat> and as I thought about it, you know, I I was like, yeah, I, there were a lot of things that I had to learn, or a lot of best practices that I Established from canyoning with different people and different groups, and some of that can be really easy, and some of those lessons can be a little bit harder. So let's let's talk about that.
1: Yeah, some of those things in you know that would be considered etiquette. I have also discovered are not very apparent. Um, they're not directly you know spoken. Give me an example. Um things like you know it's silly um and this even applies in like the climbing world is you know don't be stomping all over people's ropes like things like that or don't go a big one i've learned is don't go bouncing on people's ropes you know Mm -hmm. what does that that mean um in canyoneering um i personally am guilty of this as well of you know adding too much friction to my device and i'm not a heavy person but I do it because I get intimidated and then I end up having to feed it and it's bouncing and that causes, you know, can cause different abrasions or okay. things like that.
0: So, like, I think in canyoneering it may be more common to use other people's gear. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not, I don't know. But in this instance, because canyoneer ropes are static, you can cause a lot more damage if you are being more reckless with it right yeah <laughs> so you know as a, shots. as a general rule if you are canyoneering with other people's rope it, it's absolutely a good rule of thumb to be as respectful as you can you know while you're using the rope on the rope whatever uh yeah i think that's a really good yeah
1: one. you know you're not necessarily a general rule that we go by is you know have three times the length of your longest rappel right so you may not end up on your own rope Most of the time, you know, you might be leapfrogging ropes to get through something, you know, to save yourself time. So, you know, you just want to be respectful of other people's gear because we all know it's not cheap.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, I'm going to go with one that I think is going to happen if you are new or an experienced canyoneer. Because a lot of the time we don't run canyons with the same people. And I'm going to kind of hit this on the head in two different directions. And I'm going to cover online Mm -hmm. and I'm going to cover in person because the way that that the Canyonarian community is, if you are trying to get into a new group or a new area, um, most of the introductions typically happen online, you know, like through Facebook or something like that. And there's definitely like a right and a wrong way to... Kind of introduce yourself, and so online in um, in groups. If you're looking for beta um, suggestions, canyoneering groups, people to go canyoneering with, I have found it's always a good idea to get you know give everybody say hey you know my name is so and so, you know I'm maybe say for example i'm new to the pacific northwest i've done a lot of canyoneering in utah and and the southwest um you know you want to give your level of experience for (coughs) the arena that you're in so if it's if it's pacific northwest it's classy canyons and unless you've done classy canyons you really don't want to represent yourself you as know, a, as, as having you know as maybe Swiftwater Water
1: Canyon right?
0: You know, let's say you've done two hundred canyons in the Southwest, in you know in Moab and things like that, and uh, potholes, natural anchors. I mean, a lot of those things you're really good with, but Classy canyons are a whole other experience. There's a whole other set of skills, uh, and so you know, being upfront about those skills is really important. And people will respect you for it. Um, So that said, you know, giving uh, kind of an idea of what your level of skill is like and then what it is that you're looking for. I've had people that they're saying, yeah, like I'm just looking for a guide in that area, someone to tell me like where I can pick up some beta. Some people have been like, I'm looking to do some canyoneering in that area. Is any, you know, is anybody doing any? Um, So kind of including... A really good detail about who you are so that people have kind of a, a starting point on talking about bringing you into their group so that's the online part of it uh, let me cover in person because I, I feel like this is um, a lot more in depth and that's right. because you know you're, you're potentially gonna need to cover a lot more info
1: right yeah exactly you know you look like you were saying you look at two canyoneers somebody from the PNW who's done 200 descents as opposed to somebody who's done all southwest like their skill sets are completely different you're looking at you know the, in the PNW hydraulics, traverse lines things like that where southwest you're looking at pothole escapes and the, you know those skills don't aren't, aren't necessarily overcross or yeah. you know shared in different canyons sure. um, so there is that But the, you know, you start talking about the in-person aspect, and you also start considering things like medical needs, you know, somebody may have, you know, an allergy, like a a bee allergy, you get stung by a bee, that can be really serious for people, you know, so I think that is also something that gets overlooked in introductions. Shouldn't, shouldn't
0: ever, especially the medical part. But I I do think that there's a lot of assumptions that tend to be made. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's your best opportunity to avoid potential issues while you're in the canyon. And what I mean by that is, before the canyon, you have the opportunity to kind of establish roles. Certain people are really good at route finding and navigating. Certain people are really good at um, maybe climbing or anchoring uh, and so, talking about that before the canyon can save you a lot of time and frustrations. I've, you know, I've definitely been in groups that there are three different people trying to navigate to, you know, rappel number one.
1: Right. Yeah. We've all been there. You know, I I've, I've been in groups that the consensus is there is one sole canyon leader that kind of handles everything and. But, you know, for me, cannoneering is very much a team sport. And if, you know, say you are better at the navigation, getting to that first rap, so be it. You know, I'm down to follow you and let you handle that. But if there's another person that's, hey, I am confident, you know, I want to rig and Lamar everything, I think that's also okay. You know, I think sharing skill sets within a group is something very valuable because there's also somebody going to learn from you.
0: Yeah. To me, the theme of all of this is having just enough humility to be able to say, "Okay, like, what's the best way that we're going to be the most successful?" You know, maybe I'm feel like I'm fairly familiar using Gaia and Garmin or other GPS apps, but you know, this guy has been here four times, or you know, this you know this girl has rigged this rappel six times, um, you know, like. I really don't mind taking a little bit of a, a backseat to let someone shine for lack of better words. Uh, so just really, it's, it's a big part of just communication is getting that out of the way to avoid the issues while you're there.
1: Yeah. That's also being said, just because somebody knows something, don't always assume they're right. You know, if you feel, you know, you can always ask questions and I think asking questions is also something that's very welcomed. Yeah. Um, I really appreciate when people ask me questions because it makes me evaluate, you know, my own skill set and things of that nature. Um, and then I'm going to look and, oh, did I, you know, did I rig that correctly? Like, yeah. Did I overlook that? You know, we to me, I try not to become complacent.
0: This is another one of those social things where it can be. The difference in someone's experience, and I've sat in a few classes where someone had said, oh, well, I did this this one time this one way, and I got chewed out by this person and this and that and this. And so I don't think that that's necessarily an uncommon experience because, again, this is a sport that requires knowledge. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, a lot of people like to make sure they have a lot of it, which is great. And I think that um, when you are in the practice of asking questions instead of making statements, you learn, you know, you'd learn more about yourself, about other people. You know, a, a uh, a good practical example of that is in anchor building. A lot of times I've seen people rig an anchor 10, 20 different ways and... Any single one of those isn't necessarily wrong What's more important is understanding how that anchor works so that you can inspect it and know that you're going to be safe when you're going down it uh, you know that having that knowledge is is something that again like you mentioned before when you're kind of an active participant in the canyon you don't want to just cruise along in the canyon assuming everything's being done for you unless you're paying someone to guide you.
1: All right, and that's what guides are for. You know, I think that leads to a very good point of you should really expect to double check and be double checked. You know, down to locking your carabiner on your descender. Yeah. Hey, I'm guilty. Yeah. I think <laughs> that
0: is one of the one of the parts of these more organized Canyoneering associations that I appreciate, like the ACA, is they're they're very adamant about like safety checks and double checks, and it gets you in the mindset of having people do that to you, and that's important. I think it's really important to be okay with people saying, "Okay, like, are you set? Are you safe?" Um, because you know, most most of the time, an accident isn't going to necessarily happen because someone is doing something wrong. It's just an accident. It's a mistake, right?
1: Right. Yeah. I always. You know, anytime that's going on, you know, you or whoever's, you know, double-checking me, I always hear the sound, do you have your exit buddy? (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? And, you know, I really appreciate it because I remember getting into climbing and getting complacent on my safety checks. And, you know, that's something I don't really think you personally should be doing in canyoneering because there's so much more element so many more elements you have to take care of and pay attention to and things like that
0: yeah and i
1: think that that's a good point is is like
0: because there is such a large responsibility and a wide amount of things that you have to remember like be okay with having other people help you with that and, you know we're all human so my big one and this is kind of one that I think some people realize more than others because it tends to be the ones that are doing this, but uh, help with the rope pull.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I have definitely been on the end of, you know, I think there was one we did recently. I think I cleaned probably four or five of six repels Yeah. and it's, it's tiring. It's hard. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you gotta pull
0: a rope on every rappel.
1: There are some canyons that have
0: upwards of fifteen rappels. Uh, rope management obviously becomes a, a very big part of canyoneering, um, but this is something that anybody can do. You're whether you're beginner, whether you are experienced, is just making sure that you're taking turns, doing your part.
1: Um, yeah, especially when you're pulling a two hundred foot rope and then gotta restuff it. You know, I more than one person is nice and if you don't know how you know ask it's, it's simple to ask
0: yep and that leads me into our next one going back to gear and that's just um, taking turns with the weight a lot of times you'll run a canyon where you may need a very specific amount of rope I've run canyons where you know they required a, a length of 300 foot of rope and sometimes it's just for one rappel mm-hmm and for one person to carry that through, you know, six to eight hours, it sucks. So, you know, like, look for opportunities to trade off, uh, talk about, you know, how you can distribute that weight of, of your gear across your team.
1: Yeah, and not everybody's going to think of that, so you can't be afraid to speak up and be like, hey, is there somebody that can, you know, give me a break here? I've definitely been in that situation. I felt like I was carrying a heavy, wet rope all day. Yeah. But... um, I think a lot of the group that we spend a lot of our canyon time in with is we've gotten really good about that, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, for the most part, I think we're we're pretty good at splitting it up at the beginning sometimes, that's true <laughs> sometimes throughout you know throughout the run we we don't do quite as good with that uh so this next one is a really important one that I don't think people always have on their forefront of their mind. And I think that... the overriding thought with this particular one is safety. You know, people want to make sure they can do what they can to to mitigate risk, help other people stay safe. But sometimes they forget that we're dealing with individual people, right? Right. Different skill levels, different skill sets, different preferences. So... Make sure that you ask consent before you touch people.
1: Ooh, that's a big one.
0: Yeah, so I mean, for me, this comes up the most often with partner captures here, you know, in the Southwest. Uh We do a lot of down climbing, so there's a lot of partner captures. And, you know, if I'm going to do a partner capture with somebody, first thing I'll ask them is, you know, do you want me to spot you? You know, a lot of people have run canyons with me have heard me say this like do you want me to spot you Uh, i think
1: there's times you even still ask me so (laughs) and you know we're regular and canyon partners at this point so people
0: say no all the time which is totally fine and i respect that um that's why i asked the question you know
1: they also may not even necessarily be saying no because they don't want you to touch them they may be saying no because they they got it like you know that goes into you know you can't really assume people's skills skills
0: and you kind of mentioned there, like, you, you, don't, you don't want to assume they don't want to be touched. You know, that, that's the next thing is, you know, I, I will ask people, like, is it okay if I touch your leg? You know, like, or, you know, is it okay if I touch your foot? Not necessarily every step of the way, but, you know, it is really important that you kind of communicate. Okay, you know, like, expect to be grabbed here and um, doing your best. And I, I know that it's not something that people always think of. And depending on who you are, you may or may not value that. But at a base level, kind of have to value that for everybody.
1: Right. Um, that really also plays into being, you know, an active participant in the canyon instead of a passenger. It's really nice to have somebody come up to you if you're in a weird, sketchy, like don't you don't feel comfortable situation. And hey, let me help you. Is it okay if I do this? Here's how you can do this. This is what you need to do. And, um, you know, that creates a lot of comfort and, you know, a better canon experience for, at least in in my experience. Definitely.
0: I think a big way to summarize a lot of this is making sure that you are doing what's best for the individual person. And that means that, you know, if you get to a feature and... It's downclimbable, but not everybody wants to downclimb it. You know, you some if, if someone wants to repel it, that's okay. I mean, a situation
1: like that happened for you pretty recently, right? I believe so. Colorado, uh, Colorado. I say which which one were we in on that one? There was a few of those. Yeah, that that first jump. Oh yeah, that was um, you know it was a uh, probably a twenty foot jump. It wasn't super high, but yeah. I remember. One of the, one of the chicks that was with us, um, she told us that you know she did touch bottom on it, and I think that really psyched me out. And I'm standing there, you know, you're behind me, and I'm ready to jump, and got inside my own head, and we actually ended up uh, rigging a rope, and I rappelled off the end of it. It, you know, only really added, what, two minutes to that, if that. Yeah, we rigged it pretty fast. Yeah, and you pulled the rope and then it was your turn. I wanted to <laughs> jump. You were ready to jump. <laughs> I, I did jump.
0: And uh it was deep. It was deep. So yeah. uh yeah it was it was a
1: good one. I mean, hey, it felt deep when I got down there, so yeah maybe, maybe I should have jumped <laughs> it. Maybe we'll go back and do it again and I'll re- i'll jump. And, and,
0: you know, there's been other situations especially with down climbing that I'll see different levels of com- of comfort and You know, especially if there's an anchor there. I remember more recently this year, a big one was, like, Mystery. Like, Mystery had tons and tons of rappels that you could really, like, optionally downclimb. And, um, you know, some of them we downclimbed and some of them, you know, we still set up a wrap for Right.
1: I mean, how many times have you heard me say, is it an actual downclimb or is it a (laughs) (laughs) John downclimb? Because that's... uh, that's a different perspective to take in.
0: (laughs) So do what's best for the individual person. You know, like you do, you're succeeding collectively as a team, um, when everybody makes it through every section of the canyon.
1: Because more than likely, if you're going to push that person to do something that they're not wanting to do, more than likely they're going to get hurt and you're going to have another sticky situation on your hands. Um, you know, that could turn into a sour situation and you know, you never know. You can't predict what's going to happen in that person, you know, to that person or what's going through their head of why they're not comfortable with that. Yeah. You know, whether that's new. I mean, I can think of several occasions, you know, us being in southern Utah and, you know, seeing you stem right over it. I'm like, I, I ain't doing that, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so I'll squeeze, you know, right through it. Yeah. But there's a lot of people that don't aren't necessarily into that. Absolutely, so canyoneering etiquette,
0: uh, a few things to consider when you are participating in canyoneering with anybody in general. Um, Let us know what you think. Uh, We have set up a few different channels of communication for you to get a hold of us. We want comments, feedback, suggestions, Uh, how can people get a hold of us there?
1: Um, so we have set up an Instagram and um, we also have an email. Uh, our Instagram is at completely canyoneering, and the email is also the same at gmail.com. Awesome.
0: So that's going to wrap up episode one for us. Um, next time on episode two, we're going to have a little bit of uh, discussion, uh, gear review, going to talk about sportiva tx canyons right yeah they, oh, that uh, should be a fun <laughs> chat new this year to uh to the market so both sarah and i have been using them for a couple months now so we'll give you a solid you know what it's been like probably a four month review
1: yeah yeah i think we've been wearing them for about that long uh i also think we're going to talk about you know planning some canyon trips and yep. logistics of that yep we're going to talk about Uh, you know,
0: some good ways to make sure you're successful on new canyons or, you know, maybe areas that you're not familiar with. Um, So yeah, that's, I'm going to cover it for tonight.
1: Yeah, well, I think, well, I'm excited to see where we go with this. It'll be a good time.
0: Awesome. Well, I just want to thank everybody
1: for listening and
0: uh, we've got the
1: best community out there. So
0: let's get in the canyons.